0: And we're back with breaking news Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever That's right, Jim Mix shirt sure oh. yeah. oh. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me We're on the air I need to try it first yeah, yeah, yeah. With Zero Sugar and refreshingly delicious Is coca cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick some up at hy V today
1: Hello Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. I am Mark K from Australia and I am joined as always by Will the Goat Gottlieb. How are you, sir?
0: I am doing well. We have um, some exciting news to share with you all. Um, Very excited to see what we have
1: going here, but I'll kick it back to you to share the news, Mark. We certainly do have some exciting news, Um, maybe some bittersweet news as, at the same time. But um, after five years of doing Balls HQ and 180 plus episodes of the show, you know, however many hours of the show that translates to, a lot, a lot of podcasting, um, you and I on this episode are actually wrapping up Bulls HQ. Like this is effectively the, the final episode of the podcast as everyone knows it, as everyone loves it. Like in its current form, this is the last episode of Bulls HQ. But um, it's not necessarily the final episode of Bulls HQ. Really, what this is, William, is a, a new beginning of sorts.
0: It's a new beginning. We are excited to announce that we're going to be partnering with a new media platform, um, a Chicago-specific sports network. Um, and we're going to be bringing you guys even more, even better Bulls content, um, more regular. Uh, so we're very excited about what's coming up here. Um, I will continue to be involved on a very regular basis mark will as well so um we'll we'll have more specifics to share with you closer to um the date but uh very exciting stuff here um for me, you know i have only come on to to co-host with you mark for the last you know four ish months here so um it's new it's it's not my baby the way it is yours, but um it's been amazing to get back into the podcasting game and and work with you and talk bulls, which I can obviously do for hours and hours. Um, so very excited, but um, definitely a little bit bittersweet.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, we uh, we can't say much at the moment. So we, we're going to be very vague about this. And there's more news to come in the coming weeks, I guess, a week and, week and a week and a half, whenever it may be. So you learn more as we learn more, um, but we can't necessarily give away too much information at the at the moment. But at the same time, we wanted to give everyone that's you know supported the show for for years and years now uh, just some just, just just some intel, I guess, or some insights as to I guess uh, what's going on for us here at Balls HQ with Will and I. So yeah, we're being a little bit vague. We can't give you exact details of what's coming, but to to Will's point, like if you enjoyed Balls HQ. And whilst we, you know, we did our best to get out an episode to you every week, sometimes, um, it wasn't as frequent, but we, we tried our best to make it every week, uh, in terms of volume of content, like that's going to be increasing significantly over the coming, da- coming days and weeks in terms of different forms of content as well. Well, like it's, this isn't necessarily just an audio thing. And I, I won't get into the details as to what that necessarily means or how it's all going to work. But, um, essentially the point is if you're a Bulls fan, if you're a Chicago sports fan, if you enjoy, consuming the content of your favorite team then um, stay tuned to what we have planned on this feed because it's going to be bigger and better than what Bulls HQ ever was and I like to think Bulls HQ found its niche within the fan base but um, I have a strong feeling that um, what's coming around the corner is going to be even bigger and better so uh, I'm certainly excited about it Will. I'm glad that you're part of it. I'm certainly going to be playing a part in it as well. We're going to have other people contributing to it as well which is going to make it. Bigger and better. I I keep coming back to that, but that's how I feel about it. But um, I guess from my standpoint, well, after doing this show for, like I said, five years, 180 plus episodes, all that sort of stuff, like, You've recently joined, but you were a guest on the show a number of times, um, and I just want to say thank you to all the guests that have appeared over the shows on, on, on Balls HQ over the years. of That was essentially the format of this of the show for for a long while, just to have me on here yammering along, and then having you know someone joining me every odd week. So you were you, you were a guest. There were so many others that um, have joined me over the time. So I just want to say thank you to all of the people that have joined me as a guest. Um, I want to say thanks to BlueWire as well for, for hosting the podcast for the last couple of years. Um, you know, I started this thing as a independent podcast on myself. And, you know, it was just, I was just throwing out my words out, out into the ether, but I eventually got picked up by, um, by BlueWire and, you know, they've been a fantastic support over the last couple of years. Um, so I appreciate them hosting the show. But uh, most importantly, also appreciate everyone that's tuned in and listened to Bulls HQ over the last five years. Um, like I said, I'm just one guy spouting off my random bulls opinions, but for whatever reason, that's gained some traction. Um, people like to hear them <laughs> to, to some degree. Maybe some people hate listening to the to the podcast, but nonetheless, I appreciate everyone's support over the years. Um, you know, I, it, it's it's cliche, it's corny to say this sort of crap, but like, I don't know, look, for, for this sort of stuff, you don't necessarily get a lot of uh, financial, let's say. So, a lot of what you do get in terms of value is intrinsic value and- where that comes from is often from people saying nice things about the show, or you you get a random email from someone who who listens from the other side of the world, and you know is is engaging with you about the bulls and those sorts of things, and all the the, the people that I've engaged with via the podcast, via the Discord, via Twitter, all that sort of stuff. It's just been awesome. So um, yeah, to everyone that's tuned in over the over the years, um, I really appreciate you. Um, you've maybe pushed this thing along for five years, maybe built it into what it is. And, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud to say that like, what's coming around the corner is going to be even bigger and better. And I'm sure you're going to love it even more than what Bulls HQ ultimately became. So, uh, yeah, thank you for, to everyone that's tuned in and supported the show. And, um, thank you, William, as well, for joining the show. It's, it's been a, a short four months. Um, I, I wish we could have done this longer as co host in its current form. But, um, yeah, I'm glad to say that we will be continuing to work together, um, in whatever this becomes in the next couple of weeks. A very fun four months, though, I think.
0: You know the the previous five years have been some hard times to be a Bulls fan. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I kind of <laughs> snuck in at the end of it and had had the uh, Damar days. Obviously had my own show with Stefan No um, years ago, but uh, in any event, it's been really fun. And um, just to echo what Mark's saying, like huge thank you to to all the listeners and supporters. I know Mark has done the vast majority of the legwork, um, building this thing up, but just hearing the nice things, hearing that people like it goes such a, such a long way. Um, so really appreciate everybody for tuning in.
1: Yeah, for sure. And a quick addendum that all those, no, you know, those nice, the pleasantries that I just sort of put forth there, that all applies to everyone but C. Red Fred. So Fred, <laughs> if you're listening to none of that applies to you, but uh, to everyone else, uh, yeah, I want to say thank you. To, uh, it's been, it's been awesome engaging with everyone. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun doing this with you over the last four months. Will, um, you're, you're actually the smart one here because you sort of disengaged for a period whilst I was the dope here sort of going on and banging on about, you know, Chris Dunn missing another mid-range jumper. You were living the good life there the Warriors, in San Francisco. Man. I was, I was at the nba finals yes. yeah exactly that, that's what i'm saying you you were the smart one here you you got to you got to cover good <laughs> good nba basketball so it didn't even feel like the same sport to be honest with you where you were covering the warriors and here i am watching this shitty rebuilds for years you have to wonder years. is it
0: correlation or causation that you know wow, i come yeah, back I mean, and I start being good i don't know
1: i don't know it, it could be i mean demanda rosen is having a historic season and, and the, the moment you join the podcast like that that happens it it Correlation, causation—I guess it's up for debate, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting point. <laughs> but um, look, we thought we'd get that news out of the way. Just hit, hit that at the top, um, just just to just so everyone's clear on what's going to be happening. Um, but stay tuned, stay connected to the feed um, wherever you follow Will and I. Mostly on Twitter, we'll keep you up uh, up to date with what's going on. There'll be more news to come over the coming days and weeks. But um, yeah, we just thought uh, we wanted to. Just fill in the listeners as to what's going on with us here on the show. So uh, again, thank you for everyone for tuning into the show over the last few five years. But let's plug ahead to the episode. And what we're going to do here, William, is we're going to effectively preview, I guess, the second half of the season. And I say second half when it's really only the final 20-odd games. But um, I, I suppose now with a couple of days uh, post the All-Star break, a couple of days before the next game, uh, I, I suppose... You know, we've got some high-level questions that we need to just touch on for that you know that relates to this specific team. And and the reason why this sort of stuff matters is because in a lot of ways this, this ball season has been incomplete. And I personally have just a ton of questions still about this bulls team. And when I say questions, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, I, I guess me not necessarily thinking they're a good team or that I I don't think they could do anything you know significant in the playoffs or anything. But because this team hasn't been whole for so long, like it's just going to be an intriguing final twenty-three odd games or whatever it may be. So rather than getting into you know the All Star game and the nitty gritty of game to game analysis, I thought I thought we could just go a little bit more high level here and just discuss some of the biggest questions remaining for this team over the uh, you know the next twenty-three odd games. And uh, for me at least. The, the thing that's front of mind and the thing that I'm tracking on a night-to-night basis is can the Bulls sustain their position atop of the East despite having the second-hardest schedule amongst all teams in the league and obviously still without Lonzo Caruso and Patrick Williams in the lineup. So like that is the 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 question that I keep coming back to. I, I don't know how you feel, feel about this, but do you... I don't know. How do you feel about their their potential chances of remaining a somewhere atop of the East? They're like they're currently tied with Miami in terms of first in the East. Do you, do you think that's something that can remain? I, I I don't know. Do you think that? I
0: I mean, it just really uh, you know you you have to look at it through a couple of different lenses. One is you know who do they have left on the schedule, um, and I think the other is just is their level of play sustainable? And I think we can really dive into. Each of those things, but let's start with the remaining strength of schedule here, looking at tankathon.com. Shout out to Tankathon. Um, amazing site. I'm sure we have all uh, become very familiar over the last five years, but for right now, looking at it through a different lens is um, what is the quality of opponents that the Bulls have to face for the remaining 23 games of the season? And according to their strength of schedule here, their average uh, win percentage of opponents that they play is 543. And that is second hardest schedule remaining in the league after just the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, There's a slightly harder at 55.4%. So they've got the Suns again. They've got the Grizzlies. They've got the Heat twice. They've got the Bucks three times. Um, Sixers, Cavs, Jazz. Like They've got a really tough road ahead. And I think that starts pretty immediately after the break here.
1: Yeah, and, and that's and that's where it's going to get interesting. And that's what, and this is why it was so important for the team to sort of bank those five wins that they did before the All Star break. Like, you know, it would have been even been fine to go three and two or four and one, given the injuries that the Bulls had had and the fact that they were playing without Zach for for a number of those games. But the fact that they won all those games now, leading into the tougher part of the schedule, as you sort of mentioned, they're like behind only the Bucks in terms of strength of schedule. Like, it's this is where the real test of the the season is going to be. And I guess the next couple weeks is really the test because at some point you will hopefully have Pat Lonzo and Caruso back. So maybe when you're playing the Bucks and the Heat in April and the Celtics, like that's a three game schedule that, that the team has. They have the Heat uh, on the 2nd of April, they have the Bucks on the 5th of April and then they have the Celtics on the 6th of April. So that's a tough three game sled. But at that point you would hope Lonzo, Caruso and Pat are back. So maybe, you know, whilst it's going to be difficult, it would be less difficult, I suppose. But whereas over the next week or two, you're still going to be without Caruso, Pat and Lonzo. So to me, it's like, how do they hold up over this next one to two weeks? And that that may determine ultimately where they sort of fall in the East. Like at some point, mid-March, we can expect Caruso, Lonzo and, and Pat to be back. So how do they hold up between then and now? And there's about eight to 10 games between those points. So the next eight to 10 games may in a lot of way determine, you know, ultimately the bull season in some respects, because, depending on where they sort of fit into the East standings will ultimately determine their seedings in the playoffs and ultimately de- determine their matchups. And because the East is so tight right now, it's kind of tough to even forecast where it is the best place to to sort of land in the Eastern conference. But I, I would rather them be, you know, obviously top two and, and and have home court advantage. Obviously the risk of that is maybe the Nets are a, a seven or eight seed and you have to play them in the first round, but no, no, matter what the situation is going to be, the Bulls are going to come up against some really tough opponents in the first round um, matchup. But I, 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 just I want them to maintain a, f- a first or second uh, spot in the East, if for no other reason that I think they deserve it. Like they've consistently been a first or second team in, in the East in the Eastern Conference um, standings throughout the year, despite all the injuries and all this and all the COVID stuff earlier in December. So like I want them to maintain that, if for if for no other reason that I feel like they kind of deserve it. To be honest with you.
0: They absolutely deserve it. They've played really well. And I think that if you know, if you ask anybody on the team or really any team, I'm sure what they would tell you is like, all you can worry about is what you can control. And so what does that mean? You just go out and you win every game that you can. Um, and the rest will kind of take care of itself. I know we've talked a lot over the past few weeks about um, how did the standings shake out? And because the Nets are like just a disaster of a team right now, like two and eight in their last 10. Um, do they have to like avoid them somehow in the play-in or, you know, at the end of the day, you can't really worry about where everybody else falls. Like you're gonna have to face good teams. Um, you know, sometimes you benefit from an easier path in the playoffs. Uh, and I think that's certainly a possibility, but you have to win your games and the bulls have 23 games left, uh, against some really good teams. I think you mentioned it, but, um, basically they have a stretch of 13 games until, um, March 21st, March 22nd ish, where they play, um, the Bucks twice. They play the Suns, um, who are without Chris Paul for six to eight weeks, but still obviously the best team in the league, uh, record wise right now, they play the heat. They play the Cavs, who are, who are playing really well. The 76ers who could have Harden going by March 7th. So they definitely have a tough road ahead and, um, they have not fared super well against some of these other top teams in the East. Um Noh tweeted out a really cool um table of, you know, how the East's top 8 seeds have fared against one another. And the Bulls right now are 6 and 10 against other teams in the top 8. They are 0 and 2 against the Heat. They are 0 and 3 against the Sixers, 1 and 1 against the Cavs, although one of those games was a injury-riddled blowout. Um they lost to the Bucks in a tight game. They're 1 and 1 against the Celtics, 2 and 1 against the Raptors, 2 and 1 against the Nets. So, um how much, if at all, does that concern you that the Bulls are six and ten against the other playoff teams in the East?
1: Uh look, not 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 a ton at the moment, to be honest with you. Like the one where I've completely felt out of depth is probably the Sixers. Like because there's just no answer for MB. But like, yeah, they're 0-1 against the Bucks, but I thought they played a really good game against the Bucks without a lot of their guys like they were within that game. And obviously that's the game where Caruso got injured. So they, they lost him partway through the game, but they are they obviously had other guys missing throughout there. Um, like the Celtics, they're one and one against the Celtics now, but like the Celtics, the team that they played previously, is not the same Celtics team that's going around at the moment that like leads the NBA in sort of in defensive ratings since the turn of the year. So like, I don't know. I don't think those games are necessarily relevant anymore anymore versus the Nets, like the Bulls were two and one versus the Nets, but again, how much relevance does that hold now anyway? Given that the Nets have made some pretty significant changes, I know the Bulls are zero and two against the Heat, but I don't necessarily feel the Heat are that that much further ahead than the Bulls. I think that would be a pretty close series, to be honest with you. But like, I think I think the team could could theoretically beat any of these teams just as I think any of these teams could possibly beat the Bulls and that's just just uh, I guess speaks to how tight the Eastern Conference is at the moment but I'm not necessarily too concerned about the record because the Bulls have been missing guys throughout that time yes though some of those teams have been missing guys as well but I I guess if there was one team that did scare me just from a pure matchup standpoint it, it is the Sixers because the Bulls just simply have no answer for Joel Embiid whereas I think You can maybe scheme against certain other things. I still fear the Giannis at center lineup, but I don't know, maybe if if the rest of the Bucs aren't coming along with Giannis, then maybe the Bucs aren't as dangerous as last season as they would be this season sort of thing. So I I think they hold up pretty well against the rest of the Eastern Conference. I'm not too concerned about the record itself, but um, I I do want them to avoid the Sixers. That's seemingly the one matchup where I do not feel any confidence at all.
0: And we haven't even seen the Sixers with Harden yet. So, um, yeah. I mean, that could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, true, personally,
1: true.
0: um, I'm of the opinion that, like, when you put, th- there are, there are few times when I think fit is, um, like the most important thing in the world. You know, obviously, you have teams like the Warriors who, you know, when you put Steph, Clay, and Draymond together, they obviously are all individually great players. But when they, um, when they do their thing on the court at the same time, they like ascend to just a higher like plane of existence, uh, ahead of like everybody else in the history of the game, uh, with the exception obviously of the Jordan bulls. Um, but that is like an example of fit meaning a lot. Whereas, you know, I think in other situations, uh, like the 76ers team, You know, you can quibble about uh, what's Harden going to do when he's off the ball. Is he going to stand in the corner? Like you got to feed him beat in the post. Is there not going to be enough spacing? All this stuff like they have two of the top 12, best players in the world who presumably really want to play together. That's why Harden sort of uh, angled his way to Philadelphia. So they're going to figure it out. Um, And I think Talon wins out in the end um, most times. And that's why I say like all you can really worry about is the game in front of you Um, because the bulls, I think they may not be the favorite against any or all of of these teams, but they're certainly, you know, can, can get in the ring and go five rounds, uh, in terms of talent. And especially the way DeMar DeRozan is playing right now, um, breaking Wilt Chamberlain records, scoring 35 points a night, 50% shooting, uh, doing it without half the team on the court. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, getting guys back from injury, all around the same time with 10 or 15 games to sort of gel together as they um, make the final playoff push. So uh, I think the Bulls are a really good team. Damar is playing out of his mind right now. I mean, certainly some other great players uh, around the rest of the league, but he's in the MVP conversation for sure. And you have Zach Levine, who's putting up basically identical numbers to last year but on lower volume and just still scoring it a, in a top 10 clip. And yeah, I think the defense is going to be really good when you get Lonzo and Crusoe back. Patrick Williams, I'm not counting on too much to make a huge impact, and, and we can get into that. But um, the depth of this team, signing Tristan Thompson now, I think they, they really have a lot of weapons at their disposal. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think they can realistically compete with any of these teams, even if they might not be the favorite.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I don't know I don't know how many games or how many series they'd be favoured against, but that doesn't really matter. I think they could you know, potentially win any of these series that they go up against, uh, or any of these teams, rather, that they go up against. But uh, the key to all of this is DeMar remaining, the current version of DeMar. And I, I just personally hold this belief that you need a top five to a 10 player to win an NBA championship, and that's generally proven true over the, the years and years of league history. Now, maybe this season... I don't know, maybe it'll be different this season because the the league, there's more parity in the league and, and maybe that won't necessarily be true. Like if the Suns were to win the NBA championship, I don't wouldn't necessarily think they've got a top 10 NBA player on their roster right now. That's no disrespect to Paul and Booker who are, you know, top 15, top 20 guys. But I, I guess where the Bulls are fortunate right now is the fact that DeMar is effectively playing like a top 10 player right now. I don't know if he's necessarily top five, but... He's certainly top five, possibly in the MVP. Uh, and, and he's, if nothing else, a top 10 player based on on the, the performances he's putting together. I mean, he's averaging 28 points, five rebounds, five assists, shooting more than 50% from the field. Like that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Like there's only been 22 seasons individual seasons throughout league history where a player has, ha- has posted those numbers. De- DeRozan is one of them. The other guys that have done it are Jordan, uh, Giannis, Bird, Durant, Wilt, LeBron, Curry, and Oscar Robinson. So like the numbers that he's putting up this season is just completely ridiculous. I still question if it's sustainable. I, I keep waiting it for it to fall off, even if just by 5%. Like I'm not expecting him to come down and just be like a 25 and 5 guy overnight type thing, but- to be twenty eight five and five, it, it's just bizarre. It's nuts. It's crazy, but I'm I'm hoping he may, can maintain this. But I guess the the next open question that I have is: Can he maintain this? And if he does, like, what does this ultimately mean for the team? And you know, same I guess uh, if he can't maintain this, if he just comes back to being a even like a twenty four and five and five guy, like, does that? change the no- dynamics of this bulls team instead of maybe having a top 10 guy maybe you've got a top 15 20 type guy and does that change the scope of what this, this team can be in the playoffs so i don't know about you but like maybe this is me just being glass half empty but I, I keep waiting for demar to fall off even just slightly i'm not expecting a large dip here but every time i expect it he just comes back and does something even crazier than before and, and you quoted the number the recent stat that he sort of broken that, that Wilt had, like, you know, a number of games with 35 plus points and 50% shooting. Uh, DeMar just continues to do this. I've expected him to fall off, but he continues to do it. So I'm going to assume he continues to do this. And, well, if he could, if he does, then I, I guess to your point, like, the, this, this Bulls team has a realistic shot to beat anyone in the East.
0: Yeah, what you said um, a bit ago about, like, the difference between him maybe not being you know, considered a top 10 player in the league versus him having a top five, top seven MVP caliber season, I think is a really good distinction where, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I don't think like anybody would take Damar, you know, on paper over LeBron, Steph, KD, um, Luca, Giannis, Harden, like any of these guys really, Embiid, Jokic, did I say that already? Um, maybe that's true, but the way he's playing right now, um, is on or above that level. And I think that really mm-hmm. is all that matters. I don't think anybody is tricking themselves into believing that DeMar is going to, you know, play at this level for the next five years. But can he play at this level for the next, for the rest of this year? I think so, because the way he scores is it travels. Like he, he gets to the free throw line. You know, maybe the whistle is not quite as, uh, generous to him in the playoffs. Um, but like he just, he's automatic. Like he just he gets to his spots. It almost doesn't look like anybody's guarding him half the time. Like he just does the move. He knows it's like prescribed. He he knows what he's going to do. He gets to his spot, and regardless of if you defend it, like it's going in. It's just a matter of whether he makes it or misses. Um, but I think even beyond that, like his decision making and his playmaking, especially in late game scenarios, is so just crisp. And I think you know you've made this comparison a ton to you know, bringing in Chris Paul and the Suns. And I think the Bulls have really needed somebody to sort of, uh, be the, the traffic director in these late game scenarios, not turn the ball over, find good shots for himself and others. And that's exactly what he has done. So, um, and, and it's not like he doesn't have help, um, if he isn't having a great game or, um, maybe he's having a great game and then he's drawing a ton of double teams. Like the Bulls have a ton of other options, that can hurt you, Um, with a ton of depth. Now, I think they're one of the deepest teams in in the entire NBA where, you know, maybe DeMar isn't scoring 35 on 50% shooting for the rest of the year. But, um, and so he kind of dips off like 10% or whatever it may be. Um, I think the bulls are good enough in a lot of other areas with their defense, with Lonzo and Caruso being able to, you know, replicate that on a nightly basis. Um, you know, maybe Vuce's shot isn't falling on on a nightly basis, but he's still making the right reads in short roll. He still, um, commands attention as a spot up shooter. Um, people aren't going to just like play off of him. Um, Zach is obviously, you know, absolutely explosive scorer. And then you also introduce some of these like higher variance guys like Kobe, um, and like IO who can go off on any given night. And I think that recipe where you have a ton of stability at the top end, and then you introduce, you know, potential for somebody to step up and have a huge game is like what you really need to have as a roster going into the playoffs for, you know, to position yourself for a deep run.
1: Yeah, look, I I completely agree with it. And, and, and that's all. You make a good point. Like even if demand doesn't necessarily maintain this, just from a pure numbers standpoint, if he's if whatever little slight drop off he may or may not have, whether that drop off's just the, with the fact that he's going on this you know insane run and, and can't necessarily maintain it, or maybe that drop off happens because guys are back and they're sort of helping uh, carry the load, so to speak. So uh, it's going to be an interesting one because the Bulls are a different team, I guess. Like they're they're doing it by committee uh, by committee rather. they don't, they don't have that you know, completely outlandish type of player, like an Embiid or Jokic or a, or a Giannis type. Like, DeMar has been amazing this season, but to your point before, like, I don't think any of us naturally think about him being a bona fide top 10 guy. He's playing that way this season, but is this just a single single season type thing? Or man, I don't know, maybe this is just a new DeMar that's just going to stay around for, for, for a number of years. But I, I guess the point is he's playing at that level right now, but We'll see if he can maintain that, but maybe he doesn't need to maintain that once Alonso, Caruso, and Pata are, are back. And, like, I guess that's the next big thing that I want to talk about. Like, what should the expectations be for these guys when they do return? And to me, at least, like, the, there should be varying levels of expectations. Like, I feel like once Caruso's back, it will just be, you know, business as usual. Just hope this guy doesn't get injured again. But I, I assume he's going to fit back in pretty seamlessly. Whereas with Lonzo, we've heard less about his recovery from the knee. Pat, we still have no idea when he's coming back. So I I guess I've got less questions about Caruso's uh reassimilation into the team, but for, for Lonzo and, and most certainly for Pat, like what what should be our expectations for these dudes when they come back, particularly the latter two in, in Lonzo and Pat.
0: Yeah, I think um totally agree with what you said about Caruso. Like he it was a wrist injury, he's presumably gonna be, you know, in great shape. I wasn't it I think it was his offhand too, so it, it, like his his shot shouldn't be um affected by it too much. So I expect him to continue to do what he, uh, has done all year, which is just be an absolute, um, dominant defensive force, uh, whatever assignment you give him. And then also provide, um, you know, that, that transition scoring, um, you know, a, a decently solid spot up spacer, um, and a little bit of uh creativity on the ball. So I-, I think he's gonna be pretty much plug and play into into what he has been. Um with the knee injury, I'm a little bit I don't know. I wouldn't say yeah. like I think he's gonna be bad, but I just am more cautious as far as expectations for Lonzo because mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of his game is built on activity. You know, I don't think he's like exploding above the rim in the way that Zach or Javante um, or Dirk Jones are, but, um, mm-hmm. he does, I mean, he just covers so much ground. He, you know, defends at such a high level over the entire floor. Um, so I, I, I don't say, I don't know if I would be concerned about that, but I just would temper my expectations. I think the, the jumper will continue to be pretty high variance for him where it seems like he's either seven for 10 or over seven. Um, mm. but the passing will be there. Um, so, you know, I think he'll just have to To work his way back in. I think Pat, um, Pat is somebody that I was trying to temper expectations on heading into the season. You know, he's 20 years old. He hasn't ever like played at a super high level yet. Um, I think in theory, he's a very good defender and, um, you know, I I still don't think he's actually like done a lot of that yet. Um, he's still very much to me, like an in theory, addition. And I think that's fine. It's one of those high variance options where maybe he comes in and has like an incredible game, um, that swings a series or, you know, he has a matchup that allows him to be really successful, uh, against a certain player in in one of the rounds. So I, I think anything you get out of him would be great. Um, in terms of his conditioning and everything, it's also a risk like Caruso. So wouldn't be too concerned about him athletically, but, um, you know, just experience wise, uh, has been a really low volume three point shooter throughout his career. Doesn't have a ton else in his bag in terms of like creating his own shot, which I think is fine given, you know, Kobe and the way I was played Lonzo coming back, obviously Zach and Damar. So um, I don't think we need a ton from him in terms of offensive creation. Uh, I think defensively is where he could play a role and um, just, yeah, I, I I don't know that he's really ever proven to be a great defender yet, um, I think he will be, but, um, yeah, I guess all, all that to say, I wouldn't expect him to like come in and stop Kawhi or LeBron or any of these guys, um, you know, five games off of, uh, missing almost an entire season.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And, and I, I, I fear maybe I'm wrong, but I'm certainly certain factions of the fan base. I feel like are going to put too much pressure on Pat to come back and almost be the savior of this team. And I think that's just completely unrealistic, even if he was healthy, to be honest with you, for the entire year, like to expect that from a second year dude who's barely shown anything. Um and, and maybe people will take, will have contention for me even saying that, like, <laughs> obviously I have a different opinion about what what Patrick Williams has produced in the NBA versus some who, I don't know, maybe they've seen some things differently and they feel like he's been better than what I'd had, what I personally think he has been. But to me, maybe I can, I can, um, you know, combine a few questions here that I had, but like, I think this Bulls team, as currently constructed, is a very deep team, particularly after adding Tristan Thompson. And with Pat missing so much time here, I think there's a real, real possibility that Javante Green is still starting at power forward as this team enters the playoffs. And I wonder if Patrick Williams is even in the rotation come playoff time. And I say that for this reason, like you're going to have your closing five. Patrick Williams is not going to be part of that closing five. Like, it's going to be DeRozan, Vucevic, Zach Levine, and if healthy, Caruso and Lonzo Ball. Like, that five man unit has only played 95 minutes together. That's clearly the the, the, the team's best five man unit. It's their best defensive unit. They're 12 and a half points better in, in terms of net rating when those teams, uh, sorry, when that five man unit is out there against opponents. So, that is going to be the closing lineup. Now, off the bench, you're going to have Io, you're going to have Kobe, you're going to have Tristan Thompson, uh, Thompson and Caruso as well as Coming off the bench. So, to me, it comes down to like, who are you going to play? Javante, Derek Jones Jr., or Patrick Williams? And it's easy for people to say, you know, Patrick Williams just comes in and starts over Javante, but are are we sure that's going to happen, people? Like, are are we sure that Javante is just going to lose his starting position after 60 odd games, 70 odd games, whenever Pat comes back, and Pat's just going to take that and be fine and be more effective than Javante Green? I'm not so sure about that. So, I guess my long winded rant there is like, Is there a possibility that Patrick Williams returns will, but maybe he's not even playing when it matters?
0: Yeah, I think it'll all just depend on, you know, how he looks when he comes back to the lineup. Luckily, he'll have a bit of a buffer before the playoffs start um, to regain some, you know, fluidity with, you know, not only just like as an individual basketball player, like can he put the ball in the basket sort of thing, but also just with the rest of the team. Um, I think Javante's definitely earned the starting power forward, um, role for the rest of the way unless Pat just comes back and looks incredible, which also could happen. Um, but I I definitely see his trajectory, you know, as an NBA player more along the Jimmy Butler sort of growth where it takes a few years and, you know, you start to see flashes and maybe those are the flashes that we see this year in the playoffs. That would be awesome. Um, but I don't think he's going to like come in, you know, Luca or LaMelo or, uh, you know, evan mobley style and just like be a dominant presence right away like that's just not the kind of player he is and that's fine um but we just we'll just need to be patient with him i I think even kobe to to a certain extent um obviously put up a lot of like raw box score stats over the last few years but um he's definitely somebody that i think will continue to to learn the game and grow Um, And I'd be looking for for both of those guys more than anything, just like those flashes and moments where they really, you know, cause cause you to win a quarter or, you know, win a second half of a game that ultimately, um, you know, puts you ahead in a series, something like that more than like, yeah, he's going to come in and play 36 minutes a night and be a steady contributor to the starting lineup. And um, I, I think those are just like a little bit of unrealistic expectations.
1: Yes. Like for me, I I feel more confident in Kobe contributing to this team in the playoffs than, than I do Pat. And then that's for a number of reasons. And, and one of those reasons being the fact that, that Pat's missed most of the year. Like we saw how rough it looked for Kobe when he came back over that first, you know, two, three weeks when he was back. Like we should, we should be expecting the same thing for Patrick Williams as well and and maybe he he just, just comes back and looks better than ever before maybe that maybe that happens but i think it's far more likely that that's not the case so that's what i'm budgeting in my mind and forecasting ahead as to how i sort of see this playing out and to me i i feel like i feel like donovan's going to be like toggling as to you know between a number of players as to who his power forward is going to be i, I think in the closing lineups it will be lonzo/caruso depending on matchups and those sorts of things or even Demand again depending on matchups but you know, as to who the backups will be or who will be playing those bit minutes here and there, like I think he's just going to toggle between Patrick Williams, Javante green and um, Derek Jones jr. And, and depending on how those guys are playing, like that's ultimately going to be the answer to that question. I I don't really foresee Kobe going out of the lineup just because he's shooting and the way he shoots is so valuable to his team, particularly off, you know, off someone like DeMar. So, I I I don't want to say this is going to happen because who the hell knows what is going to happen. But I do think there's a chance that one that Patrick Williams, when he does come back, isn't going to look very good. And if that's the case, that he's not going to be someone that the Bulls are going to be relying on, you know, deep in the in, into the playoffs. And I'm not blaming Patwell for that because he's missed the entire damn year and in, in a very important year. But I, I just I guess what I'm saying is just I hope people have tempered expectations and. Um I think that's unexpecting the, the world from him. That's the benefit of having such
0: a deep team. Like I think yeah, right now sure. you have, you know, Lonzo, Caruso, Zach, Damar, Vucevic. Those that's the closing unit, right? And then yeah. you have Io Kobe and um Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson, Thompson yeah. are gonna be like the core eight, I think, that play mm-hmm. regularly. Yep. Um yep. sorry, I forgot Javante in there, right? Uh, you haven't
1: mentioned Javante and Derek Jones Jr.
0: I think Javante probably inserts himself into that. So you've got nine guys. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, like anything you get from, you know, maybe Kobe is having an off shooting night, you have a quick leash with him. That's fine because you've got depth in other places. And I think, you know, having a bunch of 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six guards with plus wingspans allows you to do a ton uh, versatility wise with lineups and, um, just depending on, like, does a guy look good tonight? Is he um, mentally, like, there to play or is he feeling a little, you know, shook for the moment? That kind of thing. Um, and I think that's just such a luxury for, for ability to be able to have quick trigger on guys that aren't playing well because you have, you know, similar caliber players that are ready to step up.
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be an interesting situation. And, like, that's another question that I've been posing. Like, do the Bulls have too many guys at this point, like uh, maybe a constant consul- a consolidation trade at the deadline may have made more sense just because I feel like they do have 10, 11 guys who are worthy of minutes. And that includes Patrick Williams, Duvante, Derek Jones, junior. But at some point, Billy's probably going to ch- uh, trim this thing to a, a nine man rotation. And at, et- I would assume two of those guys are going to miss out at some point Uh, and maybe based on a game, based on a series and matchups and those sorts of things. Like I said, he's he's probably going to toggle between his rotations, but someone at some point is going to be missing games um, just because this team has a lot of guys at the moment. And I guess, the reason that they do have more guys now is the fact that they've just recently added Tristan Thompson. So, I mean, how do you think he fits into the picture? We're both assumed without necessarily saying it, that he's gone past Tony Bradley as, as a backup center, but at the same time, like Derek Jones Jr. was playing backup center too. So like we're assuming Tristan Thompson is the backup center going forward, but, how do you think he fits into this team? Does his skill set bring, um, you know, or does he have necessary skills that will sort of elevate this team from a, uh, a depth and rotational piece? Uh, how, do you, how are you feeling about the ad, 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 ad addition of uh, Tristan Thompson?
0: Yeah, so the, the Bulls brought him in, um, and m- maybe you can get more into this, Mark, if you um, know it better than I do, uh, using the remaining uh, $1 million of their biannual exception, Um and essentially what that means is that they've used um sort of a roster cap asset on somebody to like help right now. And I don't think they would have done that if um if they didn't see him as being uh, a fixture in the rotation. And I think, you know, we'll see how much he has left in the tank, but I think in theory he does fill a ton of the needs, right? Like the Bulls have gotten absolutely destroyed on the glass um against various teams. Um And he is one of the league's elite rebounders on both sides of the ball. Um, I think he is a very solid positional defender. Like he knows what it means to defend at a high level um, as a group, uh, as a sort of contain, drop, cover big man. Um, I think on the other side of the ball, he's definitely got some playmaking chops as a role man where he can. either go to that little floater. Um, we'll see how much burst and explosion he still has as far as like finishing above the rim, but he's got a nice little lefty floater that he goes to. And then also I, I think he, he knows how to move the ball out of that position. And um, you know, he doesn't have the the pick and pop threat that Vooch has um, where Vooch, you know, can do everything that, that, um, that Tristan can do plus like post up and, and spot up and shoot. Um, so obviously he's not going to contribute on that level, but, I think having the the sort of um connective tissue between starting and secondary units where you don't really have to change your style of play everybody knows you know what's going on and how um how their system will continue to operate no matter who's in the lineup I think that goes a really long way so I think he fills a ton of needs I think he will definitely play or at least be given the chance to you know play until he proves that he can't um And I think what he brings can be a huge value add to the Bulls.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you're right, the Bulls use their... Their biannual exception to 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 claim Tristan Thompson, and, and in doing so, they were able to offer him a little bit more money than what you know other teams could have done as you know as part of the veteran minimum. So he's basically getting an extra two hundred and fifty k by joining the Bulls, and by using the biannual exception, that this season the Bulls won't have the ability to use it next season. Which I have some thoughts on. I won't share them now because it'll it'll turn into a long rant that's not necessarily uh, relevant here. But I I guess the the, the biggest aspect where I I feel like Tristan Thompson is going to help this team is the offensive rebounding. And and you touched on it before, like much to... There's been this narrative around going around among the fan base that the, the balls just are a bad rebounding team, but that, that's just not true at all. Like they're, they're fourth in defensive rebound percentage uh, in, in the NBA uh, in terms of rebounding percentage. The the team is 15th now. If if you do the math there, or just just think about that logically, clearly why they fall off, fall off from a rebounding point of view is because they just don't offensive rebound. That's why. Uh, the numbers come down a bit. That could just be a, a theoretical thing, a, a, a philosophical thing by Belly yeah, that he doesn't that's, want them hitting the offensive glass. That's very schematic. Like that's yeah, in, exactly. intentional. Yeah, uh, exactly. So like, I, I don't necessarily think if you are a bad offensive rebounding team that that makes you a bad rebound team because- the, the, the logic from the coach may be just get your ass back on defense. I don't, I don't care about offensive boards. But at the same time, if you do have a player like Tristan Thompson out there, then you can expect him to help you from an offensive rebounding standpoint. At, at the moment, the Bulls are 2019 offensive rebounding percentage. If he can come in there, grab some offensive boards, create some second chance opportunities, whether it's him putting back the ball into the basket or creating other shots for Zach and, and, um, DeMar or whatever it may be, then I think that's where the most of his value will be. I don't necessarily think we're going to get the same sort of defensive play we saw in Cleveland, but you know he can't be any worse than um Tony Bradley and not to say that Bradley was a bad defensive player like, that was probably where he had some value in, uh, this season but to all the reasons you pointed out before like we can expect a little bit more on on the offensive end from Tristan Thompson and um yeah I'm 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 certainly uh forecasting him as the backup center and um Tony Bradley's going to be um getting some DMPs coming up yeah
0: and so. maybe they go to lineups with Derrick Jones at the 5 which they did while Birch yeah. was out like again yeah. they have a ton of flexibility um, and lineup versatility so you know he doesn't he, it's not like a requirement that he comes in and plays 18 minutes 18 24 minutes a game and contributes at a super high level like, he's not going to have to do that um, I think the the bigger question for me is uh, you know Vooch has been playing at a super high level recently but um, you know as you said in our season preview episode uh, I think he is sort of the the linchpin here where you know they can be a really good team with Vooch not playing so well, but for them to be a true contender, um, you know, I talked about things that travel as far as Lonzo and Cruz's defense and DeMar's ability to get to the free throw line and just the steadiness of his, um, mid range jumper. Vooch is going to have to be somebody that is very consistent in the playoffs and he has been very good lately. Um, but is he here to stay?
1: Yeah. And that's a big question. Like, The Bulls over the last couple of weeks without Zach have been relying a lot on Kobe and Vooch to sort of support and, you know, Demar's been amazing, but so have Kobe and Vooch, to be honest with you. Like, they deserve their praise as well. And and it's gone somewhat unnoticed, uh, not completely unnoticed, but somewhat unnoticed about how good Vooch has been basically since the 20, the turn of the year. Has essentially been a, a 20 and 12 guy on really good percentages over the last sort of 20, 25, 30 games. So that's a good sample size there. And and Kobe over the last five games has just been, you know, amazing from a jump shooting standpoint has really sort of, uh, i guess fill that role that zach provides and, and given on giving the balls 20 twenty five points instead of uh you know what Levine would have been bringing so both of those guys have been huge can they maintain that i guess that's the ultimate question and and that extends to i o as well like we we have to remember that this is io's rookie season the Bulls will be bank, be banking on Kobe, Vooch, and IO to be key contributors in the playoffs, but I don't know. They, 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 I still, they still feel like like swing players to me, and I, I don't know what you're necessarily going to get from them when it matters, but at the moment, like the the way it's trending, they're, they're, they're all playing, you know, fantastic basketball. So hopefully this can maintain into the postseason, but we've sort of touched on this already, but are there any, any teams that that scare you out East that you want to completely avoid? And maybe conversely, are there any specific matchups in the Eastern Conference with, based on how the balls are being put together post the trade deadline that you feel very confident in?
0: It's such a it's such an interesting landscape in the East now, just with so many huge yeah. moves that happen at the mm. deadline. And we don't really know yet like what the Nets are going to mm. look like. What are the 76ers yeah. going to look like? Obviously, the Bucks um, and the Heat are pretty known commodities. I would say, for me, just the way that Embiid has like manhandled the Bulls throughout his career, I don't think they've ever beaten an Embiid team. Um I would love to stay away from them. Uh I think there's a ton of um volatility with the Nets. Uh we'll see what happens when Ben Simmons comes back. Can Kyrie play every game? Like if they can basically go into a series where Ben Simmons is not playing yet or not at 100% and Kyrie's only playing away games. Um I think I would feel pretty good about the Bulls chances to just like beat as a team Kevin Durant just trying to do everything. Um which is sounds crazy to say, but again, that's very circumstantial. Like if if um basically things are worst-case scenario for the Nets, uh I think the Raptors are probably talent wise, not up to the bulls, um, level, but super long, super good defensively. Um, and I think they have the second best coach in the league and can, and that can win you a game or two in a series. So, um, I think they're going to be really good. The Celtics obviously are playing incredible basketball right now. I think nine and one, their last 10 or eight and two, um, just absolute menaces, Uh, On defense and can really switch one through five, which um, you know I I don't think the Bulls have really had to go at that very much. So I'd be curious to see how they um, how they operate there. Maybe it doesn't matter because Demar will just shoot over whoever is guarding him. But um, I think in terms of you know staying away from teams, probably uh, probably the Bucks, just because I think you have to give them credit for being the the champions and Giannis being just impossible to defend, um, and how well they've played with their core group together. Um, obviously I wouldn't love to play the nets, but, um, I think, like I said, if, if the circumstances are right, they're beatable. Um, I think the heat are beatable. The the bulls have, uh, not beaten them yet this year, but they've been close games. Um, so I, I think, uh, that's a winnable series, um, so I definitely would want to stay away from the Bucks and Sixers. Um, if they could avoid one or both of those teams until the conference finals, I think that would be pretty best case scenario.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the, and the way that I'm tiering it is like just avoid the Bucks and Sixers if 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 possible. Like hopefully those two teams match up in the first round out, and and one of them takes each other out. Like that would be ideal. But like. I would feel confident against the Raptors. I would feel confident against the Hornets if they were to make it. I would feel confident against the Cavs who are currently in fourth. I expect them to fall off at some point. And if they don't fall off, if they maintain a top six spot, I don't think they're necessarily going to get it done in the playoffs. So I would feel confident get them against them. Did I mention the Raptors? If I didn't, I feel confident against Toronto as well. Uh, I would feel confident against Miami as well. Like I, I do rate Miami. I think they they have the potential to be amazing defensively, but I question whether they can score in in, in the half court at a level that's you know required to to win in the in the postseason. But I, I guess beyond beyond the Sixers and beyond the Bucks, the team that scares me the most is probably the Celtics. And maybe I wouldn't have felt this previously, or at least before the deadline, but now post the deadline. With them having Derek White, with having Daniel Tice, adding that to Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown from like a defensive standpoint. And Russell Also having
0: yeah, I mean, Rob Williams just... and
1: Horford to throw out at center. Like they match up really well defensively against the Bulls. And, I mean, they lead the league. I've got the numbers here in front of me. Like since the turn of the year, start of 2022- the, the Celtics are the best defense in the NBA. That's twenty four games that they've played. They're like four points better in terms of defensive net a de, de, uh, defensive rating than the next place team, which is the Mavs. So they're huge defensively in terms of net rating. They lead the NBA since twenty twenty two sort of turned over to twenty twenty two. So in that sense, like we're, we're talking about a very different looking Boston Celtics team than maybe the one we saw in you know the back end of twenty twenty one. But just the way. I feel like they could match up against the Bulls. That kind of scares me a bit because you have those two, you know, Bulldog-type guards in in in, um, in Marcus Smart and Derek White who are amazing on ball, but then you have, you know, Tatum and Brown as your wing defenders who can do stuff, and those guys can send into, you know, send a DeMar or Levine into the paint, and all of a sudden now you're sort of having to contest shots or, or, or you know, finish shots above Al Horford and, and Robert Williams and, and Daniel Tice. So, like... I don't know. I'm. I'm a, I won't say I'm scared of the Celtics, but I, I'm a little bit more worried about them. And I think they they ratchet up really well against the Bulls uh, at the moment because the Bulls are a perimeter perimeter based team, and uh, I think the Celtics have the best uh, perimeter defense in the NBA. So that has to be of some concern.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're definitely up there for me right now. Just given you know how well they're playing at the moment, I think when the Bulls saw them the first time it was like one of the first four games of the year, and they were just not. Clicking. They were not who they are right now. Who they are right now is an incredibly dangerous team. I think it would not surprise me at all if they came out of the East. Um, but I I think that really just speaks to how deep and high level a lot of these Eastern Conference teams are. Um, you know, you really have like six or seven like teams that you could actually see getting out of the East. Um, and I think that's really fun. It's not like previous years where it was just like the LeBron show or, um, yeah, you, know, you just know the Warriors are going to make it to the finals again this year. So I, I think that's really exciting from a viewing standpoint and the Bulls are right in that mix. I mean, they could they are one of those teams that can make it out of the East.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and I just want people to not that not that I expect anyone to listen to me because why the hell would they, but like if someone thinks that the the Heat is better than the Bulls or the or the Sixers are better than the Bulls or the Bucks or the Nets or whoever it may be, like just at this point just don't get offended about it. Like Fine. If someone thinks the Bulls are the fifth best team in the East, like that's not necessarily an insult. Like, I think that's a pretty realistic take for someone to have. It's not an insult. I-, I think maybe against all those teams that I just mentioned, the Bulls wouldn't necessarily be favored against any of them. But just because they're not the people aren't saying that the Bulls are the best team in the East or they're not necessarily the favored team in that particular matchup they're not they're not necessarily saying that the Bulls have zero chance against those teams so uh I just hope people uh put away this persecution mindset that maybe we all had during the offseason when people were saying DeRozan was the worst offseason signing that this team wouldn't even make the play-in tournament or even if they did make the play-in tournament they wouldn't make it to the playoffs like we're better than that at this point like we don't need to prove anything to anyone else the Bulls are a real team they're a real good team they could do a number of different things in the playoffs, and I and I hope people just take that away and yeah, just don't get offended and just be uh, you know pissy about people maybe you know thinking the Sixers are better or the Bucks are better or something like that. It's not an insult, so um, I hope people uh, feel that way. At least that's how I feel. When maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Just but, to, uh, that's how I feel about uh, it. To add a
0: little bit of color there, so I'm looking at the five thirty-eight NBA um, predictions here for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just going to read through some of the Eastern Conference teams here. Chance of Mm -hmm. making the finals. Celtics, 34%. That leads the league along with the Suns. Bucks, Mm -hmm. 23%. Heat, 20%. uh, 76ers, 15%. um, Nets, 3%. Bulls, 2%. Raptors, 1%. Hawks, Cavs, all about 1%. Um, There's just a lot of good teams. And I think a a lot of this... um, you know, I don't know exactly what goes into these algorithms, but I'd imagine like uh recent level of play and like caliber of opponent um, factors in here. And yeah, I think just the way the Celtics are playing right now, definitely a team I'm scared of. Um, but I think, you know, if you talk to any of these other teams or other fans of teams, you know, they would say the same thing about the Bulls.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, let, let me let me put it this way. If the Bulls were to go out in the first round, there's still a chance that that means that it's been a successful season. Like if they were to match up with the Sixers in the first round for whatever reason and they lost that in, in six or seven games, yeah, they go out in the first round, but that doesn't mean the season was not successful. Simu- simultaneously thinking about it, like if the Bulls were to go out in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, like that too would be a successful season, obviously. So I guess... Um. the the point is, depending on who they play, who the matchup is, it could go a number of different ways, whether it's in the first round or the finals, whatever the situation may be. But I, I just want people to maybe appreciate what's going on right now. And let's just see what happens, I suppose. And uh, just enjoy what we've had thus far through the first 50-odd games and enjoy what the next, you know, 20, 23 games have uh, for the Bulls in store. I, I think, you know, nonetheless, they're going to the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. The Bulls are relevant again. Uh, as you sort of mentioned at the topic of, uh, of the pod, where, like it's been fun actually discussing and talking and watching the balls this year compared to you know previous seasons, let's say. So I just hope that this maintains into April and May, and you know whatever happens thereafter, uh, it you know l- 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 let's let it play out, but it's gonna be interesting nonetheless. yep,
0: I nothing more to add to that that that's well
1: said. All right. Well, very good. Well, let's let's sign off on this podcast then. I think we've covered off the main questions that we have about this team entering the final portion of the of the regular season. Uh, like I said, twenty three odd games. Bulls have got players to return back. They've got it's going to be interesting to see how those players sort of reemerge into the lineups, and also it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the league sort of fares after the trade deadline. Like, what are the sixes going to be? What are the nets going to be? All that sort of stuff. So it's going to be an interesting a few weeks of Bulls basketball. Uh, I was going to say that Bulls HQ would be back next week, Will. Uh, it may be back in a different form, <laughs> not necessarily the current form that you're listening to right now, but as we sort of mentioned all through that uh, at the top there. But, um, yeah, I, again, appreciate everyone tuning in to Bulls HQ over the years. You know where to find us by now, but in the rare chance you don't, uh, follow Will on, on Twitter at Won't Got I'm at MK Hoops. Follow us there because, uh, we'll be posting updates on what's happening. With the with the podcast, with everything else uh, in the coming days, so yeah, be on the lookout for all that sort of stuff. But nonetheless, William, uh, thank you for joining me on Bulls HQ. Um, the listeners, uh, thank you for tuning into Bulls HQ over the last five years. It's been uh, it's been a joy for me, and um, long may it continue for the uh, the number of years to come. But uh, yeah, be, as we sort of mentioned at the top. Be on the lookout for the 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 uh, some news from us as to what's going to be dropping soon. But um, as we mentioned, this is the last episode of Bulls HQ, but not necessarily the final episode of Bulls HQ. I'll leave it at that. But uh, speak soon, Bulls fans. <laughs>